Hi, this is your host, Corbin. Welcome to your guide for Stuart Gillard's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 1993 to remember the top movies released that year. They were Schindler's List, which would go on to win Best Picture, Groundhog Day, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, a great film. Check that out if you have not seen it. Hocus Pocus, Mrs. Doubtfire, hilarious. Sleepless in Seattle, The Fugitive, The Sandlot, In the Line of Fire, and Rudy. I've actually seen all of these movies. They are all stupendous. What a great year for film, 1993. A lot of different genres, something for all ages. Uh, these are very memorable films to me. Now, from that year, we have reviewed Jurassic Park, Nightmare Before Christmas, Praying with Anger, M. Night Shyamalan's very first film, and Tom and Jerry, the movie. Links to those reviews are in the show notes below. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 93, then head over to letterbox.com and make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 65th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Unforgiven. It had been one year, 11 months, and 25 days, so just shy of two years since audiences were shell-shocked by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which I reviewed last week. Check out that review. They were shocked because it had a lack of violence, and it was a more childish plot, and things were much more toyetic, not to mention some majorly disappointing retcons. After a lackluster box office and mediocre critic scores, the producers wanted to take more time with the third installment. Well, they sort of did, but their main focus was appealing to the ethnic origin of the Turtles. One of the producers on the film, Tom Gray, who spoke in Jack Beresford's Den of Geek article, which I will continue to link to that below since I'm referencing it, he did briefly speak to the third film. He said it was all to attract the Japanese market, which she says was the biggest foreign market at the time. That's why they did the samurai stuff instead of ninjas. There was just one problem, though. Gray says, we hoped it would get the film released in Japan. To this day, it has not been released in Japan. So, of course, that's a major flaw in just the entirety of the film, setting a movie in Japan, making it all about Japanese and time travel, and it never even sees the light of day in Japan. We'll hold off for just a second on what U.S. audiences thought of the film, since that was the main market for this movie. But on the bright side, they were able to retain Robbie Riss to voice Michelangelo and Brian Toki voicing Leonardo. And they actually got Corey Feldman back to reprise his voice role as Donatello. Paige Turco also returns as April O'Neil, and many fans were happy to see Elias Coteus return as Casey Jones. I included was happy to know that he was back. I'll save my thoughts for my full review on what I thought of his incorporation into the film. A major miss, though, from the previous two movies is the Jim Henson Creature Shop. This time, the All Effects Company is puppeteering the Turtles. This is speculation on my part, but this film has a lower budget and diminishing returns from last time with the franchise likely made the Jim Henson Creature Shop either pull out and go on to greener pastures, or just as likely the producers, in order to cut costs, went with a cheaper effects company. One other major change is that of a new director and screenwriter. Stuart Gillard is here to replace Michael Pressman and Todd Langan, who wrote the previous two films, does not have his name attached to this one whatsoever. 
Before the release of the film, Gillard had directed a number of small-time TV episodes, and that's really what he's done ever since. The only things I've ever seen him do are both Twitch's movies and his episodes of One Tree Hill. Now, this is actually the longest installment in the 90s trilogy, running 96 minutes. It still does retain the PG rating. It also retains the March release date, this time March 19th, 1993. As far as critics and audience scores go, this is the lowest rated in the 90s trilogy at the very least. A Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 19% approval rating, so not even a fourth of critics approved of the film. 34% audience ratings, still well under half of audiences went for the movie. A meta score of 40, just five points down from last time, but... 11 points down from the very first film. A 4.7 rating on IMDb, which is a very sharp drop from the six of last time, which was already very mediocre, and a major drop, a full two points from the very first film's 6.7. Letterboxd rating of 2.1. So as you can see across the board, a series low. And speaking of series low, opening weekend, this film only grossed a very, very sad $12.4 million. It also played in less theaters than both of the previous films. Now, it does have a reported budget of $21 million. Supposedly, that's $4 million than last time. I'm not really buying it considering from the producer's mouth, the last film only had about $16.5 million. I'm pretty sure they're functioning with less than $21 million. At least it did open at number one at the box office. It had very little competition in March, which makes a lot of sense. It opened up against a film called Point of No Return, which was a Warner Brothers movie starring Bridget Fonda. I have never heard of it before. It looks like some kind of R-rated assassin-themed film. Now, number three at the box office was Fire in the Sky, I have no idea what that is. CB4, which was dethroned from number one all the way down to number four. And Groundhog Day. That's a great one. That came in at number five. In its second week, it still reigned at number one despite losing 40% of last week's gross. Walt Disney Studios put out Born Yesterday, which only grossed $5.9 million. Point of no return. The Crying Game actually jumped from seven up to four. And Groundhog Day was still staying strong at number five. And Hear No Evil opened that weekend at number six, which was a 20th Century Fox film. It appears to be a pretty cheap looking horror movie. I don't know. Maybe it's good. Let me know, listeners, if you've seen it. This Born Yesterday movie looks to be pretty bad also. It only grossed $17 million at the box office. Clearly one Disney doesn't mind putting away. <laughs> Finally, in its third week, Turtles was pretty much done for. It fell from one all the way down to number four. This weekend saw a slew of new releases. Cop and a Half opened at number one with a pretty paltry $6 million in only 1,600 theaters. The Adventures of Huck and Finn, another $5 million opening. That came in at number two, The Crush. Barely lost it out to Huck and Finn, came in at number three, and then Born Yesterday rounds it out at number five. Also, Jack the Bear, no clue what that is. That opened that weekend at number nine. 
Ultimately, Turtles 3 would go on to gross $42.2 million. So this movie did make some money, a very, very paltry sum, considering how strong the very first. Don't forget, the first film grossed over $200 million worldwide. Now, the second film was, you know, more of a drop at 78, but still profitable. This is major red flags at 42, saying this movie franchise really has no future. Well, listeners, I would be lying if I said I wasn't kind of nervous, but slightly optimistic going into the review next week. We're going to find out together. So thank you for coming along with me as I've been your guide to the production and impact of this film. Now that you have your guide to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, make sure to subscribe to the podcast for my full review coming next Monday. And tune in the week after as we go into the 21st century in all CGI with TMNT. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.